It's the Jeremiah Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. As you know, I normally write all of my introductions for my guests. And as I was doing my due diligence background today on filmmaker Mike Rogers, I came across a couple of quotes that struck me as very interesting. They opened up a new perspective on my friend that I hadn't seen a different side to him. And I thought I knew him pretty well. Instead of telling you about Mike in my own words on this episode, I thought that I would borrow some words from other writers and how they talk and tell, tell you. They're lying. They're lying. <laughs> I see you getting nervous, Mike. <laughs> Don't worry. They're good reviews. <laughs> I see you going, oh, great. What did he find? <laughs> I love this. Here it is. I'm, I'm going to start the first one. Mike Rogers is a one-man United Nations. With a wickedly astute sense of humor, he successfully cross-pollinates two seemingly divergent worlds with daring insight and aplomb. He's a fearless David in a land of Goliaths. His perfectly aimed slings and arrows hit the bullseye every time. And that was a review on Mike Rogers' book, Schizophrenic in Japan, an American expat's guide to Japanese and American society, politics, and humor. It was by Pamela DeBars, author of I'm With the Band, Rock Bottom, and Let's Spend the Night Together. Mike Rogers, that book, quote, that book that you wrote, mm -hmm. Schizophrenic Japan, number one on the bestseller list on Amazon for books on Japan. Yeah. Okay, then I got another one. We're you know, you'd be surprised how many books I had to buy by myself to get to number one. <laughs> how many? I've always wondered. <laughs> uh, here's another great quote. He deserves the anarch uh, anarchist Nobel, says Lou Rockwell at lourockwell.com. Mike in Tokyo, as he's often referred to affectionately, Mike in Tokyo Rogers shares his musings on a variety of topics from the war in Iraq to the difference between Japanese and American baseball to kamikaze taxi drivers. His witty and engaging style will have you laughing out loud as you explore his perceptions of the world through the lenses of his two different cultures. Again, his book is Schizophrenic in Japan, an American expat's guide to Japanese and American society, politics, and humor. Mike Rogers is also a blog writer with over 3 million weekly readers, it looks like, from what I noticed on there. And if it's not true, Mike, don't you know, say no. Well, it's actually more than that, but oh, I'll okay. explain. Let me ex I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. Go ahead. The blog by Mike Rogers, so you can look it up and get online and follow it, reach, catch up on the really funny stories there. Marketing Japan, all things about the media, marketing business, Japan, and other musings by Mike in Tokyo. Rogers, uh, I, I was on it today, total page views since June 2016, 3,354,232. Really, really cool, Mike. Um, you Did you want to jump in there and correct me? Because I- I'd Yeah, okay. So- a lot of things that I do, and I'm Jeremiah, I'm sure you're the same way. We do things like let's you, you do podcasting, you do YouTubing, uh, YouTuber, and and you do this radio broadcast. But every day in life is um, educational and you learn new things. So I started that blog off because, and that actually, that blog started 20 years ago. I think around and I started off blogging and just testing different things to see what worked. And, um, actually I got a lot of jobs. I did jobs for uh, marketing jobs for ANA airlines, Domino pizza, Delta airlines. And I found a way, um, to get number one on Google search. If anyone searched on any, browser they could hit number one it was really simple actually but i found that out and then i also found out how you're not going to gonna tell us <laughs> well no the the, the 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 algorithm system has changed oh. so 
I haven't really checked into it. And I also gave up um, running testing, testing articles on that because yeah, blogging is kind of boring. Anyway, I used to put up blogs that said, you know, beautiful Japanese girls in bikinis. And I would put up blogs with some, some sort of title like that. And they would get 10,000 views like in a week. And then I, I thought about that. Okay, I see how to do that. <laughs> and then I thought, but why, I don't want these people to be my audience. So I deleted all of those blog posts. And now you cannot find any Japanese girls in bikinis on my blog. <laughs> so that's, that's why the, the ratings are just more plummeted. See, we all grow every day. We get a little. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, you, hopefully we get smarter. Yeah, we get smarter every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much that you do, Mike. Um, but today we're here to talk about your, your filmmaking and your involvement in Japanese filmmaking, uh, supporting um, artists that are in the film business in Japan, and your film festival. It's just uh, incredible some of the stuff that you've accomplished in all mediums. Can, can I mention about the book um, um, Schizophrenic in Japan? Sure. Don't buy it. Please don't do not buy it because I don't get any money for it. And what I did was um, told the publisher to give the money to this old folks home that my father was staying in. Um, but my father died like mm. 10 years ago. And th those people never send me a, uh, what do you call a royalty statement or anything. So I think they're just pocketing the money. Could be. That's such a, that's such a neat idea though, that you, and I know you, you're talking about, you're, you're thinking about that with your film, your film that you're here to talk about today. Uh, grapefruit. I know that you're yeah. considering doing that as well. Why do you do that? Um, do you have you just have piles of money underneath you? Is that what's propping you up right now? Um, or you just have a you have a big heart, Mike. Well, thank you, but um, I'm not rich, and uh, but you know, um, after I graduated from college, I worked as a stockbroker for three years, and I made tons of money. I was 25 years old. I bought a four bedroom house in Ventura. I had three cars. I was married and some bad things happened. You saw that movie wall street, right? Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those people were my bosses. <laughs> and, um, I was always like top three salesmen in our district. And like I said, I made a lot of money and then something happened and they did something that was very dishonest. And I thought, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And I said, no. And I asked my wife, who was a Japanese, do you want to move back to Japan? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, let's go. And I sold everything. Everyone was so angry at me. Why were and, they angry? Well, I, I was throwing away a, a job that got, you know, but you, I was getting like $4,000 a month, like in the seventh, late, no, early eighties. And I was like 24, 25 years old. And, um, it, you know, it was good when we were helping people. You're taught when you're, you become a stockbroker or an insurance person, whatever. And it was deregulated back in those days. So you could sell everything, stocks, annuities, bonds, whatever. And you're told that you're, you're there to help people. And that's what I thought. I, I really believe that, that, that we're here to help people because most people, older people have no clue about what they're doing with their money. So um, you just help them and help them make money and they're happy. And then the company's happy and that's what you do. But one day something happened and this lady had a stroke and, um, uh, she had a stroke and she was 40 years old, had a 10 year old son, a husband. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. And the left side of her body was handy, uh, paralyzed. And I went out to see her and I told her the law 
And I told her all these annuities and everything you have, you don't have to pay anything for them anymore. And they were really happy. And then I went back to the office and my boss says, what did, what did you tell? What did you tell Mrs. You know, you, you know who? And uh, I said, I told her the truth. Oh, they were so mad at me. What about the company? Think about the company. You've got to. And I thought, I think I went home and got drunk for like three days. And then I thought, okay, I quit. <laughs> and everybody was just so mad at me. Are you crazy? And I look back now and I think like, um, yeah, that was right. The right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. So I don't, I don't, I don't remember why I started talking about this. I don't remember what your question is, Jeremy. <laughs> well, actually, um, I, I, I kind of like the topic. If we, just to finish it up here, do you find yourself uh, weighing good versus what what you consider good versus bad or evil or not? That does people or jobs or things in the world that that just don't agree with your your morals and your moral compass and and find it find yourself almost in a battle like the Dave and Goliath reference earlier with different companies throughout your life your career is it hard we all do it because we all have to do that all day long right we make we make we uh, you know we make exceptions and we and we say well we tell ourselves well we we've got to pay electric bill this month or we've you know we need to put food on the table or i've got a family and then you you make exceptions and you slowly die inside and i think one of the things that's unique about you from what i've read what we you know getting to know you over the last couple of years is that you stand up for what you believe in and this is just a perfect example of that do you find yourself having these internal battles that and you just sometimes wish god i wish i didn't have such strong convictions um well um the famous filmmaker uh the guy who made um apocalypse now what, what's his name um Francis Ford coppola. Coppola. yeah coppola said that um the things that you are fired for at work at 20 are the things you are celebrated for when you are 60. Mm, I like that. I've always, that's always stuck in my mind. And in fact, sure. last night, a guy that I've known for probably 17 years or 18 years, he was writing to me on my, uh, what's it called? Facebook messenger. Mm -hmm. And out of the blue, he started kind of giving me a hard time about, politics and i don't like to ever talk about politics because i just figure nobody cares what mike rogers thinks and it doesn't matter what mike rogers thinks because nothing's going to change and you know of course i have my opinion about everybody and everything but i don't talk about it and the guy was like you know you should talk about it and you should you should write more about it and stuff i used to write about it a lot and um, I, I just came to the conclusion one day that it it just it just doesn't matter what what I think, and I know that that might sound to a lot of people very negative or something like that. But you know, if there's people being killed, there are people being killed in the Ukraine and Russians and Russian people and Russian uh, Ukrainian people, and it's really bad. But there's nothing I can do about it, and um, I told him, you know, I can't, I can't stop that. It doesn't matter what I think. The only thing I can do is, um, I think I, I think you might know that I volunteer for children with, um, um, uncurable, dis incurable diseases. Mm -hmm. And I go around every December, I don't know, maybe five or six days in December. and and go visit these children's hospitals dressed as santa and these hospitals they're huge hospitals like 700 beds 800 beds and it's just such a soul crushing experience to walk into these hospitals and meet these four-year-old five-year-old 
kids, yeah. you know, yeah. and they have no hair. And you just got to, you know, suck it up and smile and try to make them happy and forget about where they are yeah. for, for even a few minutes. And of course, don't cry. And I just came to the realization that that's the only thing I can do is to worry about myself and my family and try to bring happiness to these little children. Mm -hmm. And it's a very rewarding thing, but it's very, very much makes you question your, you know, like, dear God, why am I here? Yeah. And why does this, why does this terrible thing ha happen to this little kid? They haven't done anything to anyone. Mm. But um, yeah, it breaks me up even thinking about it. Sorry, Jeremiah. Uh, no, I, um, I, I don't know how you could handle that. I, 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 when I, when I see anything about kids suffering like that, any, anything, a photo, a commercial or I don't, you know, and I think about it, I do think about that going and volunteering and I don't think I could walk through there through the halls and see them unless it's so joy joyful for them that they're children and that that they just want to be children and they just want want that love and that yeah. uh, acceptance <laughs> and and as an adult just thinking god this is so unfair and this is you should yeah, well, come through this and sad you know and all that it, uh, i don't know how you do it but i i really I, it's one of the things that i found out about you uh mike that really um uh, honestly, uh, I thought was so, I don't know. I was just a, a huge, a massive respect for you that you, that you do that and that you, um, put yourself out there that into an area that obviously is very difficult, you know, for you. But, but don't think that I'm being so magnanimous. I, one of the big reasons why I do that is because I feel like I should repay repay back to society mm -hmm. and God, whatever God is to you or, you know, whatever. And, um, to pay back for my sins. And I don't, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Buddhist. I, I went to a Catholic university and I've read all these books. I read the Bible. I read, and, um, it wasn't until after I graduated that I realized like it just dawned on me one day. Oh, wow. All these religions are the same thing. It doesn't matter. God doesn't even speak English. He doesn't. If you say, "Hey God," "Hey Bob," "Hey giant electrode," "Hey nature," "Hey sun," he won't care. <laughs> so yeah. So back speak to your question, then why do I, why do I do 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 that? That's why I do it. But um, I have been very good with um handling money over the years so um that's basically what i live on now well mike um i i think that conversation was really moving and powerful and i wonder if is there somewhere that if someone was listening the hospital that you work that you go to once a year and dress up as Santa. No, every, every, something we can direct people towards that you, that you really care about. Um, the the charity I work for is called Nanbionet in Japanese, and they, they don't even have an English website. So, anyway, so in your local area, Jeremiah, there's definitely some incurable diseases charity for kids, and um. You can support them. And I think basically, you know, they may not have a problem with money, but having people volunteer and doing things like that, you know, you just can't walk into a hospital. Hey, I'm Santa Claus. I walk in. They have to arrange everything. They have to get you cleared and do everything. So um, as far as the hospitals are concerned, I don't know. I've been to 20 or 25 big hospitals, but I, I told them, you know, I'm getting older. So I, I'd like to go to like maybe the same four or five hospitals mm -hmm. and every year you see different kids 
So hopefully last year's kids got better and left, but um, there's a lot of kids that uh, didn't make it, I guess. In the United States, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital is, uh, I know one hospital that's really doing a great job with that. And, and um, so that's St. Jude uh, Children's Research Hospital. It's stjude.org. Um, okay, Mike, well, let's, uh, why don't we take a break? Uh, I didn't get okay. the whole intro, but intro on you, you are a fascinating man. Um, Mike Rogers is also a filmmaker. He, Very unsuccessful filmmaker, Jeremiah. Make what, sure what defines success? Not money, right? We already <laughs> established that the money doesn't matter unless you give it away, which is what you do when you create a film. Um, or write a book, it sounds like. So, okay, so I'll come back. We'll come back and we'll, I'll finish up my intro here with Mike. Um, let me tell you a little bit about, I don't know where you can find the film. I don't think it's out yet, right, Mike? I mean, you gave me a, a, a kind of a backdoor password protected uh, yes. viewing of the film. When will Grapefruit be uh, out wide for the public to, you know, the listeners listening right now, Mike Rogers, new film again is grapefruit. Where can they find? Well, I could re release the film um, today if I really wanted to, but um, rain dance uh, film festival in London. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but that's like the UK's biggest film festival. And it's the world's big, biggest indie film festival. A lot of, um, Film people come there and salespeople and promotion and they come there. So they want to world premiere the film. And I believe the that film festival starts in September or October. So. Yeah, I'm I, looking at their site now, raindance.org. Um, submit your film or script now. Autumn 2023 is when it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if um, well, I expect it to premiere there and the reason being is because i am a twice alumni of that film festival so if it premieres there then it'll get a lot of promotion i mean it'll be in like you know newspapers like the guardian or the daily mail or whatever and then from that we can capitalize on that and then um the movie will generate more money for whichever charity that um you know seems like the best fit for the film or whatever yeah. but you know that's a hard thing because the, it's such a weird film so mm. yeah I, I don't know if i'd call it weird personally um that if those were the words i would choose but it, it uh it draws you in you have to pay attention to it i mean it, not meaning you have to pay attention but you will pay attention because it really draws you in um and I don't know if that's weird or not. I think it's 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 uh, imagery, imagery, the uh, you know the um, the overall theme really draws you in, like I say, and and uh, and makes you think. Actually, it was really for me when after I watched it, I was with a friend, and we and it just sparked a lot of conversation um, immediately after, which I think is pretty cool when a film can do that, when anything can do that, um, create a conversation a good conversation and thought-provoking yeah so, the, the, oh well the film's, the film's only 16 minutes long but i feel after watching it it's it feels like it's three minutes long mm -hmm. very short and i don't think you can i don't think people will be bored um i'm i'm bored because i've seen it 500 times but <laughs> but um yeah, I, I just wanted to make something that reflected on just Yoko Ono. No Beatles, no John Lennon, nothing like that at all, because this is basically circa 1964 Yoko Ono. Hmm. It's called Grapefruit. Mike Rogers, filmmaker. He's here with us this hour. He's also uh, a, a radio broadcaster, a host of a couple different shows, and He's on over 55 radio stations around the world each week. His YouTube channel is, is uh, one that you're going to want to subscribe to. It's called the Mike Rogers show on YouTube. Subscribe now. 
and you've got you have two previous films tell me just quickly as we go to break the titles and uh and where they can find those mike okay the first movie i ever made which was selected at rain dance which i was so shocked when that happened uh, it's available on amazon prime and i think it's called tubi and I can't even remember the names of, of the other places. I think it's on YouTube. I saw it on YouTube this morning. Oh, you, you did? Yeah, yeah. I think you can rent it there. Oh. Hey, they better be paying me for that. They better be. Just so <laughs> I'll find the link. I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay. And then um, the other film was called Matsuchio, Life of a Geisha. And that's a true life documentary about a woman who's a geisha. Who's? I think she's... She might be 86 years old now, but that's a fascinating story. And, you know, you watch the BBC or whatever they they have, they have little shows about geisha and stuff like that. And then I watch it and I think like, that's not a real geisha that that's just like some young girl who likes the fashion and stuff. And she just wants to do that. But a long time ago, these girls were sold into slavery, basically to pay back family debts. Mm. And that's what the show's about, or that's what the movie's about. Mm. Okay. All right. We'll be right back with Mike Rogers and Grapefruit. I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hi, this is Chris Hillman. If you've enjoyed my music with The Birds, The Flying Burrito Brothers, Manassas, Souther Hillman Fure Band, McGuinn Clark and Hillman, Evercall Ready, Rice Rice, Hillman and Peterson, and the Desert Rose Band. That's a lot of music. I hope you'll enjoy my new memoir, Time Between, My Life as a Bird, Burrito Brother, and Beyond. You can find it on my website, chrishillman.com. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. It's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you, to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. We are talking with Mike Rogers, filmmaker. His new film is Grapefruit. Um, love the film. I actually, if you don't mind, I put up a review on the film. It's uh, not out. Thank to, you. Yeah, it's not out to the public yet, but I just thought I would start off with this review, uh, little parts of it, and then we can start talking about the film. I was drawn... Uh, Mike, I was drawn in, as I say, in this review and that from that very first scene, it was just beautiful. It was like, I don't know if it was just my, it was like widescreen, you know, like cinema scope, like it used to be. It just was a beautiful shot. And it was a shot of Yoko walking in. Was it the Sea of Trees in Japan? Um, no, but no, but it's, it's like a Sea of Trees. It's just it's a massive place and it's actually a, a trout fishing area oh so it was beautiful people go there to catch trout it's fun if you come come to japan i'll take you there it's 
it, we'll have a blast. It's so much fun. Oh man, you keep offering uh, and and offering me, you know, an invitation to come to Japan and visit Tokyo and visit you. And I tell you, I'm going to take you up on that. And I don't, and I'm not saying that just to say it. I really, Mike Rogers, Tokyo. What, wow, what a trip that would be. I bet you do it right, Mike. You oh yeah, it. we won't go to any tourist places. Mm-hmm. You can do that on your own. Well, the, it was just a beautiful <laughs> shot back on. No, I don't want to. I want to go to where Mike Rogers would go, where you would take. Oh, yeah, him. we'll go to those places. That's the real Japan that uh, I want to, I'm interested in. Um, but so each of it's not really Yoko Ono in the film, right? Can I give that away? That yeah, you can. It's Yoko, you know, it's I think it's Yoko in different stages of her life, maybe two def, definite stages of her life. Um, but and that's my interpretation. Maybe that's not younger in an older version. Um, but it's, it's in this beautiful forest in the rain and the walk, I really paid attention to the way she walks throughout the film. And, and really she is walking through your film slowly. Uh, it was just this, this beautiful walk that really kind of captured me. Um, each of Yoko's perspectives on life are beautifully framed. Her message messages throughout the film really resonated with me. Um, the voice, the, the, the Japanese, and then the, the, the dubbing in the, you know, the English version that I, you know, um, and maybe because those messages seemed really relative to me at this time in history, that difficulty that we have communicating with each other. Um, and I think as I get older right now, especially I'm discovering what I want from life and what the people that I want in my life and, um, and the people that maybe when you're younger, you accept, but you don't, you know, you know, it's not worth it. Life's yeah. too short. And, and I think there's, I think that really is kind of a world um, consensus right now from people, you know, just not wanting to go back to their old ways of working or killing themselves and not seeing family and friends and enjoying life, getting fresh air. So the film felt like fresh air. It felt like that rainforest. And I could, I could almost smell the pine needles in the, that rain and the, in that cold air. Um, Mike, you've made, you know, this is from my review of visually stunning and thought provoking film. Uh, again, I watched it with someone and it sparked that conversation after, afterward. Grapefruit is a film that captured my imagination and really made me think, and which I think are two of the best, very best qualities of a good film. And well done. Hats off. What sort of questions, Mike, did you ask yourself before starting the film? Um, well, the first thing is, um, actually, the film started out totally different. And then I found out that um, from a friend who who knows Yoko pretty well, she's she's nearly 90 years old now. And um, she's very ill and um, she I, I don't know how much I can say, but she's suffering from some sort of dementia. Mm. And then I, I thought, OK, well, I can't make the first idea I had for a film. Um, but I had, I had already gotten it financed. Even before I wrote a script, I, I had it financed. Um, and um, I thought, okay, well, I got to make a film and I got to make a film that people don't get mad at me. You know, you're making fun of someone who, you know, is very sick or I don't know, maybe yeah. you know, recently died or whatever. So mm-hmm. in this society, you definitely cannot do that and um so i just totally threw the script away and i wrote the whole thing in one day and um i kind of thought i want to have a positive message to the film but personally i'm not really a fan of yoko ono's music at all and her art just confuses me and uh, so I just wanted to make a film that I thought was totally objective, totally fair, and let the viewer watch it and let the viewer decide their own opinion. Yeah, their own opinion. 
Can I jump in right there before you move on from that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I put this in the review as well that what your film did, maybe you're maybe you're conscious of this, maybe you're not, but what it did for me, and it sounded like other reviewers as well, is that it made you actually want to form your own opinion of Yoko. And I've heard a lot of stuff over the years. I have I know nothing of Yoko Ono except for what I hear, and it's usually got John Lennon connected to it and she broke up the Beatles is the next sentence and et cetera, et cetera. So I really had no opinion. And then I thought, how sad is that, that I accepted a public opinion on someone without knowing them. I just placed judgment and said, I'm not going to ever go there because nobody else likes her. And I, that's not fair to her. That's not fair to, you know, that's not smart. And um, so I never got to know her for myself and what your film made me want to do is maybe, learn a little bit more and and get rid of that opinion and, and form my own opinion more importantly but i yeah i think that's powerful that you did that in 16 minutes in that film well most most um avant-garde films are under 16 minutes basically because i think avant-garde films surreal films people can't stand to watch them for more than 16 minutes but um before the people you're pushing the you're you're pushing the envelope or your or whatever that you're you're challenging right or yeah you know you're you're making you're creating new thought yeah so sometimes so what I plan for the film is before the people see the film everyone will get a program and um, in the program it explains things about Yoko Ono I think people in the West do not know. So one thing people don't know, and she comes from a very, very, very wealthy family. And they were very Japan's top aristocratic family, like in that group of people and her social class. And, you know, Japan was a caste society for thousands of years. She was in the, the, the upper echelons of the social class. So she would have been possibly like the queen of Japan, mm. you know, married to the emperor, mm -hmm. but, you know, moving to America changed her life and her father and mo mother hung around with Japanese aristocrats and American aristocrats. Her father was the first Japanese in history to open up a major Japanese bank. And he opened it in New York during the Japanese economic miracle. Mm. And, um, then uh, w when Yoko told her parents she wanted to marry John, they just wouldn't have it because they just thought he's from a lower social class. He didn't even graduate from college. This guy's a loser. Wow. <laughs> like John, John Lennon is, no, he's not going to be our, our son-in-law. <laughs> he's a loser. <laughs> John, they, John they Lennon. Did, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't even allow John into their, their home until after sean was born and um so to think that that her sitting there like while the beatles are rehearsing or, or whatever they're doing and if you watch any of the videos of her there she's not saying anything which is pretty typical japanese especially if people are arguing mm -hmm. they'll just sit there and they, they'll just clam up they won't say anything so to think that she had was responsible for the beatles breaking up i think now is laughable yeah i know mike can you hold that thought we gotta we gotta take another real quick commercial break okay, okay, okay. come right back we'll come right back mike rogers film he's a filmmaker he is a radio host he's he's a writer he's uh an incredible human being and he's our guest again on the show today we welcome him back i hope he comes every week now this is kind of like getting like christmas mike rogers uh <laughs> the new film grapefruit he's a music tv radio anime related program producer and as i said a filmmaker is uh i was gonna send them to your book but we're not gonna do that anymore so go to his youtube channel and subscribe really great interviews with fascinating people the mike rogers show on youtube we'll be right back
Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio. The Jeremiah Show airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core Radio dot rocks. This is Moss Jacobs, and you're listening to the Jeremiah Higgins Show. Please stay tuned. And when you need to go see some music, when it's just burning a hole in your soul, Santa Barbara Bowl is the place to be. SBBowl.com, GoldenVoice.com. Thank you. back with the Jeremiah show Filmmaker Mike Rogers is with us this hour. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. Uh, we're talking about his new film that may premiere, may premiere, or may well, no, it, public it, earlier. We're not sure yet. He's keeping it's, us. It's going to. It's going to. Yeah. Eventually, you get to watch this, but we'll talk about it today. What I love about—I mean, there's a lot of that I love about the film. But I also like this conversation, getting to uh, know. Yoko Ono, your tell us about your Yoko Ono. You were you were able to interview her, so you've had oh been in her presence. And you, what did you you know give us your opinion of Yoko Ono? Well, a long time ago, um, so I don't. There's only five FM stations in Tokyo. There's 38 million people here, and there's only five FM stations. So being a radio DJ is really rare in this country. So I was a half Japanese. I mean, I am a half Japanese and I speak English. I'm from California and um, I speak English and I speak Japanese. So I used to be asked to interview a lot of really famous people. So um, one day they said, you know, we want you to go and interview Yoko Ono. And I was like, oh, oh, sure, of course. And um, I get there to the interview with two other guys, two other half Japanese guys who didn't say a word. They were just like gawking, you know, and I have that picture. I'm going to share that picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was fat back then. Anyway, um, we, we sat down in this, this really nice, really nice hotel room and her manager was there and her manager said to me, no photos. Absolutely no photos and i was like okay yeah sure no problem and then she sat down and then we talked about a lot of things and she was a very positive person and a very nice lady and when the interview ended i said to her um you know yoko um i'm half japanese and she was like oh really and i was like he's half japanese and he's half japanese and your son is half Japanese. So won't you let us take your take a photo with you? And the manager said, no, no. And she was like, no, no, it's okay. Let's just take a photo. And so we took a photo. And I had to do that. Jeremiah, I had to do that. How often? Now, never that manager never brought you a a, a star. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> I, I like you know what? Why you're in a room with Yoko Ono, yes, take a you know, you gotta go for it. And that's yeah, what you gotta you, go for it. You gotta go for it. Um, well, so you were telling us about the vision for the film. I don't know if you finished your thought on that, but then I wanted to bring up, um, a term that you, you brought to me fluxes art and, and what fluxes art is. Oh, um, and if you don't have it, I have the definition here in front of me and I can, I can, I can read that. Um, but the vision fluxes art, which is basically destructible art, right? Yeah. In, in a way. So what was the vision? Finish your you didn't want anybody to get angry uh, depending on when the film came out. If, if Yoko, uh, you know, was ill or if there were, you know, you just wanted, you wanted to create a film. You said that, that w- didn't include John Lennon, but also um, captured what you felt 
the spirit of Yoko Ono was for you, right? Mm-hmm. And something that wouldn't offend anybody. I'm, I'm, if I got any of that wrong, please correct me. Well, um, I want people to either love this film or to hate it. I don't want any no in between like, oh, yeah, well, that was OK. I want them to like th- that was a great film or I hate that film. That's the best because love and hate are two sides of the same coin. Right. Mm-hmm. So people who, you know, just have an average, you know, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Like, let's go to McDonald's now. I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. <clears throat> and um, I hope that when people watch the film at some point, something reminds them of their childhood or maybe some experience they had with arguing with somebody or fighting with somebody. And then that is brought back and then they will contemplate their own position and maybe think like if, if somebody can think like, maybe I was wrong about that. That's good. That's really good. And I, I think that that's a message that goes through um, Yoko's writings. Can I ask you, I know at the end it says written and directed by Mike Rogers, right? And then, and I thought, are those all Yoko Ono's words or did you, did you write? No, um, well, Mike, or? Yeah. I'll, mostly it started off with um, qu- quotes from Zen Buddhism, you know, 5,000 years old, but because if you read Yoko's books and you've read any books on Zen Buddhism, you can see a lot of her, her stories are related to that just worded differently. So what I did is I took her, her quotes and I worded them differently, differently. I tried to make them more modern. For example, I don't know if you know this guy, what's his name? There's a famous, famous psychologist from Canada. What's his name? I forget his name, but he wrote a book called um, 12, 12 um, Remedies for Life or something like that. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. I don't think I oh, am. Oh, wait. I know. Uh, James Peterson. No, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. I'm, I'm not familiar. Yeah. But, um. One of the things he says, he's talking. Um, he was yeah, talking right here. Uh, got, yeah, okay, I'm trying to find a book. Oh, yeah, he's got a lot of books. Peacemaking, Twelve Rules for Life is what you're. Oh, reading. that's it. Twelve rules. So he talks about um, um, the the opinions of um, the right and the left, and he says, you know, before you go out and try to change the world clean up your room. And and I saw some videos on YouTube and people were really giving him a hard time about that. And, um, you know, clean up your room and what good is that going to do for the world? But that is like a 5,000 year old Buddhist saying, there's a Buddhist saying before you reach enlightenment, pick up a broom and sweep after you achieve enlightenment, pick up a broom and sweep. And it took me years to understand what that meant, but now I do. So I sweep the, I sweep in front of my house every day, Jeremiah. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a good neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I, I, what I made me think of is, uh, you know, I was a laborer most of my life, my young life. And I, you know, from, uh stacking poles chainsaw cutting down hot poles to you know mowing lawns and all these things and it made me think and i haven't done that kind of work for a long time and it made me think i you know i used to think a lot when you do those kinds of work that's meaning you're you start to really kind of almost get into a meditation where if you're sweeping i could really see that you're sweeping and you're thinking about you start thinking about things and you start thinking about yourself and you know what's important to you or reflecting on uh things that have happened and we all need we don't ha- i don't think we have enough time to think anymore um and I, and so that really resonated with me i do have to take one more quick break mike i think it's my last okay. that's 
Okay. But, okay. but I do want to, one of the, the, the parts in the film that I really liked, and you did this, I think twice, but you repeated some, uh, maybe you can remember exactly how that quote goes. And if you can, maybe on the other side of the break, but there was a, a quote about how you treat people. And when you go to bed at night and, and you repeated it three times, almost as if, okay, I'm going through quote after quote. They're all great quotes. All of them are thought provoking. All of them resonate. And then you, you stop on this one that we should all do. Uh, uh, did you, I hope you found it. And if not, we yeah, can find it. it together, but it was really, uh, not only was he a great quote, but, but it could have gone, we could have gone on to the next one. And I probably wouldn't have remembered that one so much. And that seemed like such an important quote to remember. I want to know why it was important to you to repeat it three times in the film and why you chose that. I thought it was a very unique filmmaking. Um, I don't know, just uh, something that you did that was really unique to the film. We're talking with filmmaker Mike Rogers. The film is Grapefruit, uh, Yoko Ono. Uh, it's based on stories and, and writings of Yoko Ono. And we will be right back. Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show, and I'd like you all to check out my latest record. It's called Hermitage, and um, you can find it wherever you find all the other albums you like, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it too. All right. Take care. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. This is the Jeremiah show with Mike Rogers, filmmaker, new film, Grapefruit. Um, can't see it yet, but we're talking about it. And it's just a really interesting conversation. We were talking about a part in the film, maybe about halfway through that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier. I don't remember the quote, but Mike Rogers is going to read it for us right now. And then we'll talk about it. Okay. So um, I also thought this is such a profound quote but it's so simple so it goes like this try to say nothing negative about anybody for three days for 45 days for three months see what happens to your life think about that <laughs> it's so heavy how many how many of us can go through three days of life without saying something bad about somebody. And then if, if everybody... <laughs> go ahead. What? No, I said, because I've, I, I consciously actually, before I saw this film, and I think that one of the reasons it resonated a couple weeks ago, I just started saying somebody in my life was grading on me. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything at all. 
anything to them. I'm just going to no negative because because when I start to talk to this person, it becomes negative. So that yeah, I mean, can you imagine your thought? How often we go to, well, this sucks or that sucks or why did they do that or this all day long? It's negative. You know, it leads yeah, to, yeah. to stop, not only to stop, stop saying it, but to stop thinking it. It's, our, it's a great exercise. And that, you repeated it uh, over and over. Why, why did you do it? Do that instead of doing that with every quote in there? You repeated. I mean, well, it meant something to you. Yeah. When I this is a short story. I I got time. I hope I have time for it. So before I came to Japan, I worked as a stockbroker, but I quit. And then I had like six months of nothing to do. So I saw a sign at a liquor shop that my friend owned, and it said "Help Wanted." And I walked in and said, hey, Walt, can I work at your work here? And he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to Japan and I don't have anything to do. I can't go fishing every day. I love fishing. And um, he said, "Okay." And so before I started working, that was the most fun job I've ever had in my life. And before I would go in there every day, I would envision it like this is going to be so much fun. And I worked there for three months. I I swept the floors. I cleaned the windows. I dusted the cans and the bottles and stuff like that. And when I I quit, the the last day, Walt said, "Mike, don't quit. Stay here. I'll make you the manager." And I was like, "No, Walt. Thanks. I really appreciate it, but I gotta go. I gotta go to Japan. I've already. It's already been decided. But I think." the other workers there would be standing around doing nothing and just complaining about how bad things were. And so a lot of them were shoplifting from their own shop, which I, I was quite surprised about. And I just kind of thought, you know what, you guys, there, you're, there's a reason why you're working here. And I think it has to do with your attitude. So if you had a better attitude, you would have a better job. Think about that. <laughs> now you're here com- complaining about the customers and the boss and stuff like that. And you have this crappy job. Okay. So you should really think about that, but they thought I was nuts. So <laughs> no point telling them. All right, fine, whatever. You're uh, ahead of your time and thought and they were kids or they were whatever, but they didn't, yeah, they didn't see your, your, your wisdom. You were like, Buddha with the broom at the shop and they didn't take it. <laughs> they didn't take advantage of that. That was good advice, Mike. So let's end with this one. Your dedication to um, your movie is a dedication to Yoko and her art and her Flex's art. Uh, and since Flex's art must be destroyed. Oh, finish the sentence for me. What happens with this film? Um, I plan on after it gets screened at rain dance um to destroy the film and the guy at the boss at rain dance said oh you're gonna do that as a promotional stunt and i was like um well i don't know if, if that's a pro- i i do in, intend upon destroying it and no one will ever see it again and he didn't say anything he was just like you're crazy <laughs> how are we gonna sell it mike <laughs> Well, no, we'll we'll make a deal with somebody and then sell it. And then, um, but you meant the actual film or did you mean there won't be the film won't be available anywhere or, or I'm definitely, I'm definitely, (laughs) I'm, I'm definitely not putting the film on any of these, what do you call it? Um, online streaming services, not going to do that because it's a dedication to Yoko. And I don't think she would like that. I think she would be very happy if we destroyed the film. So we, we have a theater theatrical screening, which is on a different format, destroy that one and then sell the film to however, some company wants to broadcast it and then use the proceeds from that to pay to a charity. That's the idea. It's a sweet idea. It's an, it's a bold idea. It's a uh, crazy idea. It's Mike Rogers, <laughs> Mike Rogers. Um, God, I want to ask one more question. Let me ask a real quick one, but we do have to go. We have to okay. end this real quick. 
um, if you can answer it quickly. If not, we'll do it on the next one. But does this Flux's art, how does it, why does it appeal to, to Mike Rogers' uh, vision of the world, uh, our art and expressiveness? Fluxus, Fluxus is very confusing. Art, do you know John Cage? You know the mm-hmm. pianist John Cage? Yep. He made that song that has like the four minute and 36 second nothing in the middle. That's an example of Fluxus art. So um, I don't really know how to explain what that is. Why does it appeal to your, the way, your vision and your, or does it, or is it just an experiment and create of creativity? Gee, you're asking me difficult questions, Jeremiah Son. I haven't thought about it enough to, to actually put my finger on what it is. I think about it, but I I am thinking about it. That is, I mean, if you don't, we, that's okay. I think because sometimes art's too explained and then it's the, the, the viewer or the person who listens isn't able to form their opinion they're using yours and then it it loses something so it's uh, maybe it's okay well i want to to try to answer the question i I want or you don't (laughs) i want the film to be an example of modern fluxus art whatever that is and it's very difficult to describe you can only experience it and and that's a very basic tenet of fluxus art well, Mike Rogers, filmmaker, the film is Grapefruit. I hope that the uh, the world gets to see your film uh, eventually. And uh, thank you for, for creating. Continue to create, my friend. Continue to write great stories and put out good things out there. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank, thanks for having me on your show. This is great. The uh, Mike Rogers Show on YouTube. Go and follow and you'll keep up to date with all the great wait, Wait, I'm interviewing a really famous guy on the Mike Rogers show. I think it comes out tomorrow or the day after. You might have heard of him. Jeremiah show. Jeremiah Higgins. Super famous guy. Interviewing him. Getting the quotes. How to make a bunch of money. Yeah. On February 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much, Mike. That was so much fun to be on your show as well. Um, Yeah. So. Mike Rogers show, check it out, YouTube, subscribe, and then you'll find out links to all of his other uh, social. Um, you kind of stumped me there. I was going to, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'll, say this. I'll say goodbye for now and <laughs> communicate, listen more and evolve. Have a great week, everybody. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, you're loved, Holmes. I love you. I love you. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.